to think and operate and and like yeah to to perceive yourself as a citizen of the world in this global community there's a lot of unique factors seemingly it's not the same as hundreds or centuries ago or millennia ago but <laughs> this is what I was getting to i think that our stories have not evolved and that's why we're we're i think we're spinning our wheels and more or less running like hamsters and that's that's the part that i'm most interested in because i think that if education is going to truly impact a large enough enough of us somehow we have to figure out how to tell how to update our stories Welcome to Movement Matters, the show where I don't often even say the name. You are life, and life is movement. I'm not a big tagline guy, but that truly is essentially the tagline. It's actually on our shirts, too. Our original swag says, you are life, life is movement. Building on Moshe Feldenkrais's, uh, one of his many beautiful lines, one of uh, very, very memorable lines, life is movement. But we like to add, you are life. I'm just coming fresh off of recording a, an episode where we talk about Moshe quite a bit. Um, a colleague, if you will, in Seattle, Chandler Stevens, a really, really exciting young fellow. Looking forward to telling you more about him in a couple episodes. But first, I get to tell you about my buddy Phil Bresnahan. I've known Phil for almost 20 years. Uh, we met right before we started high school, we went to high school together. And he he was living in um, San Diego for a while after, well, yeah, for a while. And now he's in North Carolina. He's expecting his second child with his wonderful wife, Shannon. And <laughs> you'll hear about that in the show. This is a simple show. This is us catching up. Um but also getting into what is relevant on a especially professionally for Phil and why did I make sure I said the show's name movement Phil works and as he would say plays with the ocean near the ocean where the ocean meets the land as he would say as a coastal oceanographer surfer paddleboarder rower sailor teacher learner and uh, ocean, yeah literal Again, oceanographer. It's his PhD. He's movement is certainly his life. And what he's done with surfing is something we unfortunately didn't talk a lot about. But I encourage you to check out what he's done with, um, yeah, the, like the actual innovative tech that he's helped create back in San Diego, especially if you are a surfer, which I actually know some of you listeners are. Um, what else can I say about Phil besides what he gave me to say? <laughs> yeah, we've we've known each other for a long time. I consider him to be an old friend. Um, I thought of Phil as a good guest, certainly because of being friends, 
knowing we have good conversations. He has a focus on the ocean and, and the reality of movement as life and we are life, if you will, life as humans. But I think he shed some really important light on what we can be doing practically and pra the, the pragmatic um, approach we need to integrate with regard to sea levels rising, climate change, global warming, if you will. And I care tremendously about that, which is also why I bring up the show I just did with Chandler Stevens. He's um, an ecosomatic practitioner, which I guess I kind of unofficially am as well. And I think Phil basically is the same. And I think we all kind of need to be to some extent. And this conversation is one that connects very much with at least the one with Victoria. Um, but it's, it's, the through lines are consistent. Movement is just the universal through line. The specifics are honestly not as, well, they matter, but it's all about this through line of movement. And I think you'll hear that with Phil, especially as he talks about what we can be doing, what we maybe need to be focusing on. And I'll let you find out for yourself when you listen. But here's a little bit more about what he has to say about himself. Direct quote. <laughs> Humans have always thought of coasts as playgrounds, but, we're, but we've more recently recognized that we also treat them as dumping grounds for our trash, microplastics and plastics, treated sewage and sewage, fossil fuel, CO2 pollution, and countless other chemicals. Phil, as he says, studies coastal waters because he wants to protect them. I am an assistant professor, Phil, in the Department of Earth and Ocean Sciences at the University of North Carolina, Wilmington, and a member of the Center for Marine Science. I enjoy working on many aspects of ocean and water quality sensor networks, including sensor innovation, also known as electrical and mechanical design, or laboratory and field analysis, cloud data management, and ultimately data analysis and visualization. I invent and apply novel marine sensing techniques and analytical approaches in the, mo in the mostly coastal ocean in order to investigate natural and human-caused phenomena. I hear that primarily as Phil is a badass with a PhD who is doing the kind of research that we need to be doing for the long haul and for the immediate um, situations that we are finding ourselves in and going to continue to be presented with probably at a very increasingly rapid rate based on, well, that's my perception. And I'm glad he does this work. I'm glad to call him a friend. I'm just glad I know people like this because it's pretty damn cool and necessary. And that's my bro-ish uh, translation of all the amazing things that he is up to. So thank you, Phil. Thank you all for listening. And I'll leave you with that. Have a good time. Thank you. And do you hear that too? I assume you do. Oh, yeah. Loud and clear. And there's also a tornado warning here. And I do have oh. like poles 
here that I can go hold on to, I guess. Not to, I shouldn't joke about that, but I don't have a basement. Mm. I will be yeah. watching outside. <laughs> Please do. You have uh, notifications on your mobile device and everything too? Yep. In fact, it's not, this wouldn't be the first podcast I've done where we've gotten the warnings. Um, it wasn't that long ago where they actually did land. Did you hear about those? The local? I, I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. yeah. They weren't far from here. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I was teaching a month ago. Actually, well, it would have been the day that they, the, the day before they landed there, they came through here. Um, and I was teaching that morning and I had to go shelter in place and, um, open and it was happening very quickly. And, you know, you don't want to mess around with the timing of these things. And so I ran down to a pantry. That's the only interior room without windows and, uh, with Shannon and Reese and the dog and, uh, then logged into zoom from the pantry and told the students, (laughs) I'm very sorry, but I have to shelter in place right now. And and one other student said they were sheltering from the beginning of lecture just in case. Uh, but but fortunately, no damage here. And it was the same damn tornadoes. They went all the way from your neck of the woods to here. It was the same. It was yeah generated from the same tropical system, if I remember correctly. Elsa, I think. Does that yeah. sound right? It does, but <laughs> you know, before we get into your expertise, which is going to be quite obvious, which is what I intended, or I assumed we would mostly discuss, and I am very, very curious, it's obviously only increasingly relevant. I had a funny but relevant question for you to start with. Um, Griffin and I are watching a, a series that I know you used to be very fond of. Any guesses to what we, we've watched two of the arguably three or four movies in the series any guess uh, are you talking about the fourth being the one that <coughs> excuse me that was genuine not a weird hint at trying to answer uh was the fourth actually recorded decades before the other three no the fourth had a a mostly female cast as opposed to Mostly male cast. Oh, so then the fifth was recorded decades before. Yeah. <laughs> if we're on the right track, what what's the what was it called? That's right. Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. Ocean's Eleven. Yeah. 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 Right. We just we just watched the first two so far. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Thought that was very appropriate before talking with you before catching uh, up with you. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. I haven't watched those in a while. Dude, they hold up. They are still. So good. And if you, you know, I think you're right on schedule to introduce him to the family. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Make a little criminal early. Um, do you still like them? Are they still, do they still hold a special place in your heart? Absolutely. Yeah, no, no doubt about it. I'm, I'm trying to think. Shannon and I watched maybe 12 a year or so ago. It's, it's been a while. It's arguably it's, the best yeah. one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think they're all it. good, but I I think the that one has a special. Um, I don't know. There's something ex- extra classy and and sort of suave about it. And the music, the music, yeah, I I'm with you there. 
that the scene where he's uh, the night fox is yeah, going way. going through the lasers. Yeah, Love exactly, that. exactly. That, that right. has a pretty pretty cool uh, movement element as well, right? I mean, I don't think talk. he could have really done that. I don't know. I try. I, I don't know if that's possible. Yeah, to to time it while actually seeing in real time. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that, that would be tough. And I assume it was just a cool song he chose, but and that the, the the lasers aren't linked to the like there isn't some sort of algorithm linking the song and the lasers. I assume like he didn't have it all like he didn't have it actually mapped out. He was just improvising and getting through there from start to finish. I think. Yeah. But I yeah. Which I don't know. I don't think you could do that. But then, I don't know. Maybe maybe people do a lot of funny things. Impressive I, things. I, I couldn't do that. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, I don't think I don't no. think most of us could. Yeah. No. Fair enough. But what can you do? You surf. I do surf. <laughs> I like to surf. You still getting to surf down there? I have a bit. Uh not not as much. I think no matter wh- how much a surfer surfs they probably always say not as much as I'd like, but I really mean not as much as I'd like. Um, but, and is that more work about, or fatherhood related or both work and fatherhood during COVID? Oh uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's uh yeah, not, we, we haven't found childcare support that we're particularly comfortable with mm. at the moment um, for a variety of reasons, not just, COVID alone, but also, well, COVID narrows the options, of course, and then not, we have, we just haven't found uh, a person, a place, a thing <laughs> that, that works out for, for two folks with full-time, ordinarily or typically daytime nine to five-ish jobs. I, I don't have anything that I'd really call close to a nine to five, but um, on paper, it's supposed to be something close to that. So, um, but as it relates to surfing, well, first of all, I cannot wait until I'm surfing with Reese that, um, I get overwhelmingly excited about that thought and him actually dragging me out into the water. Um, but no, actually, so about a mile that way is the intracoastal waterway, which cuts between I'm on mainland North Carolina, but just on the other side of the intracoastal is Masonboro Island, which is a protected reserve, coastal reserve. And it's this really cool barrier islands with no development whatsoever. And uh, I've, I've paddled out there both just lying down on a surfboard and swimming on a surfboard and a stand-up paddle boards. Uh, I've kayaked out there and it's a really cool ecosystem. And then if you get to the other side, the beach, the ocean side, you can surf out there and have the entire island of waves to yourself, essentially, um, which I'm not always perfectly comfortable with. There are sharks here. I think North Carolina is near the top of the, the list for U.S. shark incidents, shark human incidents. I don't like to call them attacks. People always call them attacks, but it's like they're just... They're just nibbling. They're curious. Um, they're not attacking. Just, you know, they don't really have a sense 
for gentleness. And, yeah. They don't have a sense for gentleness. Yeah. It's, it's either hurting you or doing nothing essentially. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and, and I should be clear that I mean, sense for gentleness relative to our needs for gentleness, like maybe <laughs> to other sharks, they're gentle. I, it's not my specialty. I really don't, that's all I know, but they're there and surfing with them alone makes me a little uncomfortable. Um, so I don't surf out there alone often, but, uh, but I like going out there and kayaking, paddling. It's great. There were more in San Diego. No, or is that, is that a, am I wrong? About I don't that? know. I don't know. Um, I think, that maybe the entire state of California has more incidents than the state of North Carolina, but I'm honestly not sure. I think they might actually be close. Um, I think, I think North Carolina has a pretty good number and I think they come relatively close to shore. The other thing that San Diego has going for it, which is actually mostly an annoyance as a surfer, you want a certain amount of space to yourself and not to have to, unless you're with a group of really close friends, in which case it's awesome just to be out with, with friends, but usually you're out with dozens or sometimes even hundreds of other people in Southern California. And that is exhausting mentally, uh, mentally exhausting because you just have to share waves and, uh, and some people are kind of jerks about it. Some people are really jerks about it. Some people, you don't know if they're jerks or not. And I don't know. <laughs> Keep your distance a little bit. But um, again, coming back to sharks, I don't worry as much when I'm in a crowd of a couple dozen people as I do if I'm out here with not many at all. Which is all a wonderful way of saying that you are which again, I obviously was jokingly trying to get to, um, an expert on all things ocean, uh, I would say, at least compared to me. So I don't know if you would agree with that, that you're an expert on all things ocean. I didn't Certainly to... some things ocean. Like, you know, you, you just get, we, we get so narrowly focused. It's a, a really interesting phenomenon. But now I'm teaching Who's oceanography. We? People we... or scientists or... Just yeah, or? I guess when I said that, I meant uh, academics, researchers, academics seem to, to really hone in on things, but maybe researchers that aren't in academia as well. Um, but yeah, professors, folks who go to uh, do any level of research, really, from grad school on, I suppose. But um, yeah, I'm teaching this intro to oceanography class now and also an advanced oceanography class but the intro to oceanography class is or especially was when i started very challenging because it forced me to talk about these other subfields of oceanography with which i'm far less comfortable so um, marine biology and sharks being one of them <laughs> um, but their marine biology is kind of its own separate thing and I still don't know much of marine biology, but a little bit. Well, I was just speaking with um, actually friend Connor, who was in here a moment ago before, and he just hobbled out of here because he seriously injured his leg. But he were, 
talking about how I'm getting, I'm catching up with an old friend. And um, I mentioned you're, I think you have a PhD in oceanography. Is that correct? I do. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I, that was my more accurate way of saying you're an expert on all things ocean. Um, but I mentioned plastics or plastics immediately came up. I think he actually may have been the one to say it. I was like, yeah, I recall last time I probably really spoke in depth with the Phil about all of this. He highlighted single-use plastics as the primary, if, if people could do one thing differently, they, that would be the primary um, focus. Is that still true? Did I, do I remember that correctly? And he acknowledged, before he answered that, that in PA, let's see if I can get this right, I wrote it down, um, they just now, um, con- they, they discontinued some kind of block, they being the, munici- the municipalities in PA are now allowed to ban single-use plastics. Apparently that, was, that just came up. He's a political figure, this, this fellow that was here. Yeah, cool, awesome. <laughs> So now you can answer um, the question. <laughs> well, the other thing that we academics do is never answer questions straightforwardly or simply, I guess. Um, I don't know anything about that, Phil. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I, I mean, it's, it's an interesting question. So the, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rephrase a statement related to what you just said that makes it true. I think reducing single use plastic use is perhaps one of the easiest things for most people to do that can actually make a difference um, in terms of the amount of pollution that we see in terms of the amount of plastic that ends up in, in the ocean and other places in the environment. Um, I don't think it's the biggest problem we have out there and there's some that might argue with me about that i think i mean the the climate change issue as a whole is going to cause is causing these natural disasters or amplifying natural disasters um, is enabling natural disasters that are having already and will only continue to have worse uh human impacts terrible human impacts and as that continues to go in the direction that it's it's been going um you know it's it's really hard for me to to see that and think of uh, think of that as anything other than uh, just you know one of the the worst things that we could possibly be doing to each other to the planet um and so to what do we do or, you know, what is something that we can do that would be really impactful? Um, I think talking about the problem of climate change and our general, uh, you know, the, the fact that we rely so heavily on nature and our connection to nature and to clean nature, especially the importance of that uh, is huge. And, and again, the, the core of that was talking about it. So not, not even asking people to, to change a whole lot, just talking about it. Because I think more people need to understand that it's, you know, it's, it's probably, it's one of these things that I think is at the periphery of a lot of folks, um, 
I don't know, worldviews or, or understanding of, of issues or uh, awareness of threats. Climate change or global climate warming? change, climate yeah. change. Yeah. I think that's yeah. peripheral. I think it's peripheral for most, meaning on a day-to-day basis, I think most people are not spending a lot of time thinking about it. I that's don't good. mean... That's why it's good to ask you, because I think I I assume more that, because I'm, a, I'm obsessing over it, that other people must be too. But I, I, I'm happy to be wrong there. Or maybe it sucks to be wrong about that. But, <laughs> but that's... Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I'm not pretending to have seen data or anything authoritative specifically on the, how often are people thinking about this or where does this fit in people's priority list? But, but I have to assume that most people are thinking about, you know, the next paycheck, paying bills, picking up groceries, picking up kids from sports, daycare, whatever. Um, The frequency with which, existential threats enter the list is probably relatively low for, for most folks. Again, I I guess. Um, And so talking about it and kind of broadening our spheres of influence in who else is thinking about this and who else is realizing its severity and its reality. It's non, it's, what I want to say is the the antonym of abstraction. I think for for many folks, when they do hear about it from time to time, it's it's a very abstract thing. Even if it's in some way mentioned in the same sentence as some specific natural disaster, I think most people aren't thinking about it as a a real immediate. It doesn't thing. take priority over whatever's relevant to paying the bills, feeding yourself, feeding the kids, making sure that the lights stay on. Um, the money's flowing. Doesn't take as much precedent over that, it seems. Yeah. Definitely. Which, which seems un- both understandable and to me, it's kind of part of the tragedy right now because here's a, here's a very, um, I'm, pr- I'm intentionally look. I'm looking for an intentionally uh, provocative quote here. <laughs> Not that I want to be necessarily provocative, but it it certainly makes for helpful conversation. Um, It's not showing up on this. You can keep talking if you want while I look for it. Oh, there it is. There it is. Um, Here's one person's pessimistic conclusion. He's a relevant thinker, and this was only, this is maybe a year and a half, two years at most. Um, His point of view, and I'm, I'm not saying I agree with it. It's just, it's tough not to consider this is that in spite of all the protests here and there, we will probably continue to slide towards some kind of, not my word, but his word, apocalypse awaiting large climate catastrophes to awaken us. And I don't want that to be true, but it's hard to not wonder if that is. It currently looks like that, and what you're saying, if people aren't paying attention, even though, what was it that just like last week was put out by the UN? Something even more um, severe yeah. than ever before? Yeah, it is the, the update to, so the, the group is called the 
intergovernmental panel on climate change. It's this international collaboration of scientists from a lot of different countries uh, with expertise in a lot of different subfields of climate science, environmental science, oceanography, everything that relates to this bigger picture. And yeah, so, you know, I, I actually, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to pretend to have read a single word of it. I, <laughs> I, I fully intend to read a lot of it. Uh, I'm actually planning on teaching a lot of it later on this semester. Um, but I don't know this, maybe this is an unfortunate thing to, to be saying or to, to have happened, an unfortunate thing to be part of my reality. But at this point, the documents describing the science of climate change come out and I think, and I see the press around it, the media, the, uh, the social media and my instant reaction, my immediate reaction is just, yeah, it's bad. It's, you know, it's, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's hard for me to imagine being surprised by these things. Not to say that I'm not saddened. It's really, really sad. Well, that's okay. Um, I wasn't asking you for anything hope, uh, hope filled. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no yeah. pressure. Yeah. I'll, I'll get to the more hopefully, uh, or I'll get to the more like positive spin on things in a moment, maybe, or, or at least like, yeah, productive spin, but go on. Sorry. Well, the, the other thing I wanted to say is that I, I agree wholeheartedly with the first 95% of the quote that you read a moment ago, which is to say, you know, obviously my own words that, uh, I think there will be, um, apocalyptic, uh, consequences of, of climate change. In fact, I think it would be fair to say there already have been, um, to, to folks living in, in areas that have just been completely ravaged by, by these wildfires or hurricanes or, um, or floods or, or whatever it is there. It, it's really hard to say that any one of those uh, specific instances was caused solely by climate change, but it's not at all hard to say that they've all, or most of them have been amplified by climate change, by global warming and other parts of, of the complicated climate system. The 5% of the quote at the end that I struggle with a little bit more is that the, that that will help with the awakening because I haven't seen that. I haven't. <laughs> You're I, making I, it even worse. <laughs> I know. I know. I know. It's yeah. I mean, what, what level of awful does it take if, if we've already made it through all of these things and still <coughs> a tremendous number of people out there are still voting or acting uh, in, in accordance with some, you know, bring back coal or, you know, burn all the, the fossil fuel we possibly can or whatever um, mindset. And, a caveat there too. I don't think that it's actually as many people as the media make that seem either. I think that's just a, a loud minority. Um, but still, it's uh, it's it, there have been so so many natural disasters of such epic proportions in even just the last year, but certainly in the last decade that. Um, 
people always kind of talk about, you, you hear on the news at least, that there is some linkage to climate change. Some scientists will say this was made worse by climate change, but it's not clear to me that that's changing the average person's mentality. Um, All right. So, so you just made it worse. Thank you. That's great. Everybody's going to be happier now. Um, there's no hope. So let's not even try. All right. So the individualism. I did not say that. I'm I'm not, I'm definitely, (laughs) definitely not letting you get away with that. Everyone, please try. Everyone, please try. There is hope, but we have to make hope. We, We can't wait. We can't let hope be the thing that drives us. We have to do things and that will result in a more hopeful outlook. I think, I think hope is the result, not the driving force. Yes. And I, I am partly trying to catalyze provocative, uh, important information. Come, Yeah. Us to, us to, yeah, I think we have to be provocative right now in some kind of way. Um, cause the information obviously does sound inherently sort of like, it does it does risk creating more catharsis or inertia or just even nihilism for probably a lot of people certainly ignorance the literal ter- like in a literal uh way of i'm going to ignore things <clears throat> mm-hmm. so thank you yeah i wasn't going to let myself get away with that either um <laughs> the 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 potential place we can go with this is is well, there's a lot, but I think a lot about individualism. That's a term I'm going to throw out there. And the, the, I guess the, the possibility that that as a, as a term that's worth unpacking is relevant. And also, um, I don't know, sea levels to me, I think sea levels rising is the key that everybody could possibly just see very concretely. It's not as, it's not as easy, I guess, to um, to see the fire, even though we know about it. I hope we know about it. Or we to the the flooding, or the potential tornadoes that are obviously happening at a more increased rate here in even um, relatively urban Pennsylvania. Certainly not Oklahoma or Kansas. Um, I may have been wrong about Oklahoma's ge- uh, geology there. Do they have they have uh, more earthquakes maybe than? <laughs> tornadoes but um, Kansas I got right <laughs> yeah yeah well I think yeah the I, not, I saw not as important there <laughs> yeah yeah well well there is there's a weird thing that you accidentally just said which is that Oklahoma's earthquake frequency has sharply increased because of fracking um, and well, other great. Part. Yeah, I, I figured yeah. earthquakes were relevant to Oklahoma. I was just yeah. thinking quickly there because I want to mostly hear from you. But it has increased because of fracking, you're saying? It has, substantially, measurably, e- yeah. easily, quantifiably. Yeah, Yeah, I do remember over the years hearing about that. Yeah, I've yeah. heard about that over the years. And that comes back to the individualism part, which I don't ever try to hijack any of these kinds of conversations. I think that's unnecessary and... Quite frankly, I get to talk plenty on my own and just ramble and, <laughs> and share my own two cents in the ways that I can. Um, yeah, outside of this context, so I very much want to hear from you. But I think this individualism and the 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 concept of individuality is something that is probably on both our minds, or could be important for both of us to pay attention to in this context. And it will inevitably link to COVID and vaccines and masks and why that is um 
the link to me is like if if we as you pointed out can't even see in terms of the catastrophic nature and the potential apocalyptic uh components if we can't even see that clearly then how are we even how can we possibly expect to relate to a quote-unquote global pandemic in a unified way and clearly we can't or at least not yet it's all the same seemingly to me kind of problem in that this individuality piece is so obviously excessive and driving us in uh, dysfunctional ways um so I guess I'm just putting that out there as a potential context that you're nodding your head at and I, I suspect you have thoughts on. So feel free to, <laughs> feel free to take that and go because it looks like you, you have some feedback. Well, I, I have a, a lot of thoughts on it and I don't even know which way to go with them because there's so many different aspects to it. Uh, obviously, I think that kind of goes without saying to, to you. Um. Yeah, there is no question that, that individuality is playing a really big role here. And it, as you said, certainly with the, the pandemic as well, um, and sort of our inability as humans or unwillingness perhaps to, to think in terms of averages and, and things in large numbers and kind of dispersed. And we, we really do need that direct connections. So folks who haven't directly experienced wildfires hear that in the news and, and don't really think a whole lot of it, I, I imagine. Uh, folks who haven't directly been touched by, by COVID, I think, are, are by and large not necessarily as, as worried about it as those who have really experienced the, the loss associated with it. Another thing that I was thinking when you were talking is that we've actually, in, at least in, in American society, I guess, we've created a very individualistic way of thinking about the solutions too. It's very much like what is the next breakthrough technology that can save all of us? Um, you know, how do we capture enough of this carbon and put it in the grounds and sell this idea to Silicon Valley or in Silicon Valley to whoever will pay for it? Um, how do we come up with this same, this comes up all the time in plastic waste as well. What is the robot that we can put out in the middle of the ocean that will just scoop up all of this plastic? And uh, there are inventors once a year, it seems that, that are coming up with the, the hot new thing. And it's not to say, I don't mean to say at all that I don't think people should be trying to come up with solutions. They certainly should. Um, but I think that building community solutions has so much more potential than building these individual new kind of sexy tech focused technocratic things that, that don't actually necessarily get at the root of the problem or in many cases, don't even come close to the root of the problem and really just allow us to continue our consumerism ways, um, allow us to continue not really thinking about what downstream means at all. Um, and then it's also uh, individualism is something that I think about in my own work because um, it, coming back to this hope thing, you know, I, I spend every single day thinking about this, thinking, what can I do about this very specific problem? And what can I do about the impacts of, of climate change for the ocean? 
what can I do to make things better? Um, and it's really easy for me to get trapped in the, the individualistic way of thinking as well, because, or not because, um, in that I will sometimes become more despondent thinking like, oh, well, that won't matter. That won't make a difference. That's not going to solve enough of this problem. Um, where I hope that a lot of what I'm doing on a day-to-day basis or semester-to-semester basis is, is helping more people become familiar with some of these issues, more people um, think about how they can help make things better as well through their own careers, whether they end up being oceanographers, climate scientists, or bankers, or artists, or, or whatever. Uh, I, I have the amazing opportunity of teaching this intro class where I have folks from majors all over the university. And that means that those people are not necessarily going to be the choir or the conductors of the choir in the preaching to the choir sense. They're going to be the, the folks who are, you know, just out there doing their own thing in their own walks of life. And I think that if more, more people in other careers are aware of the severity and not just the severity, but our understanding of the severity and where that understanding comes from, from decades and decades of really rigorous scientific research, not just like someone's hypothesis. Um, I think that that really helps improve our chances. So I guess I still made that a little bit individualistic, but I'm one of many people teaching these intro courses. I'm one of many people. Well, how talking. did you make that individualistic? Because I inherently well, think of education as the the bridge between um, that individual and collective, so to speak. the The ability to identify as both the individual and the collective, which is inherently uh, inherent to a mature, seemingly self aware human, is the ability to think in both ways at once and and then more. But at the very least, as an individual and part of a group slash collective, so. I don't know. Ed- education doesn't sound individualistic to me. It sounds like the only answer. If we're not going to succumb to some sort of uh, quote unquote force. <laughs> yeah. Well, I like how you said that. And I don't disagree at all. In fact, um, I love that very much. And, and I, I hope that, <laughs> I, I hope that, that you're right. And I, uh, be, because maybe selfishly, I guess, because, um, but I feel lost all the time in my work and, and in what I'm supposed to be doing if there is such a thing. And, uh, and education is something that I frequently come back to as, you know, this, I, I feel like this matters. I feel like this is, is something that, that can make a difference. I guess when I said I made it individualistic, I was just saying, I teach, I have this class, I do this. Hmm. Um, and obviously it's, it's part of a, a much larger system um, yeah. 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 There's an inherent link to me. You're not just, it's not just you and the family sort of quote unquote recycling or right. comp- composting yeah, or getting a, uh, electric car. <laughs> yeah. And all of those things are good, but it's not just that. So yeah, I don't hear that as individuals, but I get what you mean. Um, the, <clears throat> the point, I guess I just, hinted at though is pretty important is there another solution besides 
education. And I think what I meant by force could 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 mean a number of things. Obviously, legislation, which goes hand in hand with um, a legal system, uh, police and and um, law. Even worse than that would be violent force. Although people argue, of course, that that is a violation of their rights, and that's what's happening now, that people are arguing that their rights are being violated. Uh, but yeah, I guess that highlights the inherent challenge of the moment. If education is the non-forceful, non-violent option, and I don't know of another one, how do we how do how do we improve that? Is is that gonna? It almost seems like it's a it's an experiment to see how, if that can get us if that can help us evolve and learn and grow or not. It's almost like we're, we're seeing how much time can we give that before force is before there is force, whether we like it or not, which I guess implies that we don't. (laughs) Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. That's, that's what you say. You think about this all the time. That's, <laughs> which I know you do. That's one of the components of it that I can't help but think about. Like, if, like, will we run out of time for a, the education to, to work? Well, yeah. I mean, in many ways we have, I guess it's, it's a matter of for whom are we, educating for for whom do we want the benefits of education to come to to bear because people have already lost their lives because of climate change and so um so it is too late for for them but that doesn't mean it's not too late for others um or that doesn't mean that it is too late for others i think i double negative myself there unintentionally uh it it is not in any way too late for many. And I think that it's really important to think about incremental um, progress also. Uh, well, so I, I think I mean that in a way that some people might misinterpret it. I, I think that we need massive progress in a lot of areas. When I say incremental progress, I, I, or maybe thinking about the incremental good, you know, if we can, if we can, ever so slightly reduce U.S. carbon emissions, for example, through, I don't know, a couple statewide policies or a couple coal-fired power plants being uh, put out of service or something like that. That's not going to stop climate change, but it might actually save a few hundred lives or a few thousand lives. I don't know. The the exact math there is really tricky. Um, But, and we're not any better at thinking about saving a couple lives than we are at thinking about a couple lives lost, especially if they're distant. Um, in fact, I'm sure we're worse at thinking of a couple lives saved because if there was the absence of a disaster, <laughs> who's going to know that? Right. Um, right. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I guess I am very much on board with the, the education being a, a main path to progress. Um, and I, I hope that it really does provide some incremental good. Uh, I hope that 
eventually there could be a tipping point in which things uh, go the the other direction from the way they've been going. Um, and I would certainly say that that could be tied to educational outcomes as well. Um, but I don't know. I don't know where this is all going. Um, well, you can't and, know, but that, yeah, that's, we're not trying to say we know. No, no, of course. Um, this is, I don't know if this is truly philosophical, but it's more, um, I don't know, sort of a stream of consciousness, at least, I guess. Uh, when I think about where we are right now and what we need to move forward, or at the very least avoid making things way, way worse, um, th there's a lot going on that is kind of easy to, to point a finger at and say, like, this is the thing, like, the For the People Act or abolishing the filibuster or whatever uh, could, could feel like these are the, the moments that we have in our lifetime that, that could actually end up being moments with implications for decades or centuries or, I don't know, millennia to come because it feels to me like we, we actually do have a populace that is interested in, uh, in, in improving the environment, uh, you know, 70 ish percent of people I think would, would be on board with that. Um, but the political system's set up in such a way that getting that kind of action accomplished, uh, has proven extremely challenging or worse. It, it gets undone every so often, uh, completely undone or, or goes backwards every so often. The philosophical stream of consciousness thing I was mentioning is just the, the, the thought of the importance of now. Um, does everyone who's ever been alive or has everyone who's ever been alive thought that their moment in time was as, as pivotal as it feels like this moment in time is? Because for me, this feels like a moment where a moment meaning, I don't know, a few years, a few decades even, um, but not a few centuries where we could really change the course of humanity in one way or the other. Um, and it feels like we're in a place where some of that could, uh, could be centered, I suppose. And that's certainly, you know, an American centric. I know we, we Americans always like to think we're at the center of everything. Um, and, <laughs> And we're certainly at the center of a lot of the problems. Um, so, so maybe we, <laughs> we've earned ourselves that, that central spot for the wrong reasons, but, but we also have the opportunities, I think, to, to help move things in, in a positive direction. Um, and again, I think this could have really, really, really long-term implications in one way or the other. All right. That was good. That gave me a lot to, yeah, we can, we can play with that. I, I suspect the, um, the concept of like the American ego and the American ethos has a lot to do with either giving ourselves the title or, or, um, propagating a story and, and promoting it and maybe backing it up for a couple of decades that we're like the heroes of the, tw um, of the 20th century, because we, um, destroyed the most imminent, seemingly most relevant imminent threat that is the Third Reich. And, and that particular story has, I think, been 
pretty effectively um, told. So we probably did develop that kind of uh, <laughs> identity for ourselves and did get a little maybe too egocentric for our own good because of something yeah. like that. And the Declaration of Independence and, and all things um, independence, which is what we're talking about, individuality and independence kind of go hand in hand, seem like pretty significant, <clears throat> along with the Bill of Rights and the Constitution, et cetera. These are relatively unique contributions to civilization and democracy being the, the best of the worst forms of government, right? Um, yeah. To paraphrase, was it Churchill, I think? And so I get all, I say all that because I think the, obviously I don't think of America or the U S as the center of anything. And I certainly don't think of myself as the center of anything. Um, in fact, I find it really unpleasant to experience my self as too important. I find it very unpleasant actually, um, physiologically and then like somatically. But I guess the, the more take a moment, think about the bigger point you were, or kind of the other side of what you were getting at, because I think it might take us down a little bit of a rabbit hole, which I'm very happy to go down. Um, hmm. All right. So yeah, I, I think for generate, I think I know enough people and, and there are multiple generations that coexist right now. Like some people are great, great grandparents and they're alive right now, which means they're five generations at once. Right. Five, that's five generations, right? Yeah. That, that that's a right. thing. That's a thing that's possible right now. And they, some of whom I've gotten to know and they, they relate to this as a pretty special moment in uh, the course of history. Now, I, I haven't had enough interaction with people from um, India or uh, certainly Afghanistan, which would be pretty important, or uh, Thailand or even Eastern Russia or Mongolia or Chile. I don't know if they relate to it the same way. <clears throat> I just picked random countries. Yeah. And <laughs> except for Afghanistan. And so I don't know if they perceive this as uh, a, a pivotal moment, but it seems like to a lot of people it is, and there seems to be some validity to that. And I think the, the climate change and global warming um, reality, I was tempted to say story or concept, but reality is is the main component there, as well as the ability to operate, to think and operate and and yeah, to, to perceive yourself as a citizen of the world in this global community. There's a lot of unique factors, seemingly. It's not the same as or centuries ago or millennia ago. But, <laughs> this is what I was getting to, I think that our stories have not evolved, and that's why we're, we're I think we're spinning our wheels and more or less running like hamsters. You know? And that's, that's the part that I'm most interested in because I think that if education is going to truly impact a large enough, enough of us, somehow we have to figure out how to tell, how to update our stories. 
And there, you know, you know that my background is religious studies, so I, I don't mind bringing that into it more directly. I'm not sure that we can evolve if we don't reconsider uh, the what I consider to be sort of foundational presuppositions of our culture from everything from uh, (laughs) God to sovereign individuality and what it is to be a human in relationship to nature and what it is to be a human in relationship to exist all of existence. Like, I think we need to rewrite that shit to a very, very big, large extent. And not just for this country, obviously, not just for the Western civilization, which doesn't even seem like a real thing, except to the extent that there's some link to, again, uh, Europe and Christianity, but to, yeah, for the entire animal, the entire human animal. And Afghanistan is a funny thing to throw in there because I I know this isn't the most PC point to make, but... um, I certainly am not condoning the Taliban. That would be ridiculous. But I can understand from the most basic concept of freedom, from like what I think freedom inherently means to most people, that they probably also think that they're just fighting for their freedom, however fucked up it might be and however wrong and arguably immoral and, and, and certainly just not good it looks and is and terrifying it is, like they're probably operating with the same basic construct of my freedom is what matters most. I'm going to fight for my freedom. And that I think is a really increasingly obvious problem that we're all gonna have to deal with, whether the water sea levels rise or not. <laughs> Again, I care more about your input, so I can pause there, I definitely, I know you probably have a lot you could reflect back, so go for it. Because we've sort of done this before, even though it hasn't been for a couple of years, but <laughs> we may have had this kind of dance before. Yeah, um, I guess the the thought that comes to mind, I don't know if in your studies, your religious studies, if you've come across narratives or ways to storytelling or specific stories that perhaps seem more relevant or uh, important to prioritize and um, uh, and center right now. Um, if, but if, if I may, can I ask you, you know, is there, is there something that jumps out to you as a, a current narrative or, or one that, that has existed uh through humanity that perhaps hasn't been the dominant story, you know, perhaps because of guns or industrial revolution or. If I had to pick I don't know. one. Yeah, no, I, I well, appreciate you asking. Yeah. I can probably yeah. pick one cause I've, I've been working on this. Um, the catch all term is absolutism thinking in terms of and thinking in absolutist ways and acting and based on those absolutist concepts and beliefs and constructs. Uh, and that, that's a catch all for a lot. Like 
absolute separation, absolute destination, absolute, um, an absolute ending in terms of creativity and, and, uh, um, Div- divine like manifestation of something like an app the, the idea that there could be any sort of absolutely like even just the concept of absolute knowledge the pursuit of absolute knowledge as if you could know everything and know it all um for there to be an absolute quote-unquote equality for there to be absolute um unity or sameness basically a sort of, I think absolutism kind of runs in the face of, or is inherently in conflict with what I think, how life actually works, which is everything's connected. There's an inherently constant process and there's never an ending. It's always, there's always something new. I don't think we normally, I I think we have not been operating with that as a basic narrative uh maybe ever and certainly not for millennia generally speaking i think the impetus for most of our uh, actions throughout history has been to sort of create some kind of complete experience to arrive at some kind of destination to um reconnect in some sort of abstract or or completely fictional and fantasy kind of way like heaven to end the process of change you know and none of that goes none of that works none of that's real to biology none of that's real to i mean life literally requires inherent interconnectivity constant newness um, difference and distinction life literally requires it the the human story seems to generally fly in the face of actual biological imperatives. And I don't know if that is something that is because of like a, a fall, if you will, to go to some of the fundamental stories that is pretty fundamental, right? Or because we just told ourselves somewhere along the line and enough of us believed it, that that's just what it is to be human. Either way, it's clearly questionable. Therefore, I don't think it has to be that way. <laughs> enough people are, if enough, I'm not the only one asking or posing the, those sorts of questions that are implicit to what I just said. So clearly it could be different. And I'll pause there. Did that? Did that seem the base is absolutism now? As the the dominant narrative, you mean the catch-all, the the, the the unifying? Yeah, Yeah, I think so. Yeah, that's the term I've chosen for it at the moment. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah, Yeah, I no, I think that's really really fascinating. I, I hadn't thought about even trying to come up with a a unifying theory for all of these other worldviews, I I suppose, or, or if, if there are unique ones at all, or if they're all part of the same thing. Um, 
Well, I yeah, think what there I has was... to be some, there have to be some unifying elements. Otherwise, we're not even the same species. Sure. I think there just have to be. So I bet I sort of laugh at the whole con, like the idea of trying to create a unifying theory. Cause I think I just sound like such a dweeb if that's what I'm, <laughs> if I was like trying to consciously do that, it almost just is like the, the, the function of this particular way of observing that I've, um, somehow chosen to do, but I don't think, I think there have to be, there has to be something that's ubiquitous and universal given that we, we're the same species to say the least we're on the same planet. We have this, we follow the same rules, operate according to the same, yeah, functional uh, imperatives and narratives. So I don't know how there couldn't be some universal truths. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I opened with Ocean's Eleven. Yeah, really. Um, that rusty he's always eating something right uh, yeah he sure is <laughs> no go go for it though we can have a moment of silence here while we're thinking because i i think it's it's a lot it's a lot to chew on it's a lot to and it damn well should be if we're talking about something like <laughs> fucking global warming and the sea levels rising and the the in the implications of things like that you know it should be a lot to chew on for god's sake it's life and death shit so yeah let's chew on it we don't have to just doesn't have to be noise the whole time no but now it's just fucking awkward phil god <laughs> Too long, way too long. <laughs> Pauses should never be that long. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't have a, a well-formed thought on this. Really, um, I'm, just, I'm curious what the what the opposite of all of that is. Um, what what stories have been told that that might be something closer to to the way that we truly relate to the rest of the planet and to each other in fact um you mean what stories have been told that do serve that have served us in a particular way how would yeah yeah i, I would say so um right you know the the well, way I think I know what you might be asking, but I'll acknowledge, I think it's a good footnote. Like I'm not suggesting throw the baby out with the bathwater. That seems like a very important footnote to always give. Like I'm not, I think everything has value. I mean, that's why I'm willing to say something as knowingly just disgusting and gross as I can, I can comprehend where Osama bin Laden and Al Qaeda and the Taliban um, may be coming from. I can comprehend it. I think it's important to try to comprehend it. Alternatively, you're just, reacting and in and being really obviously um black and white and warlike in your thinking and i i've made the choice to 
especially because of my religious upbringing and my and our shared religious upbringings, I've made the choice to try to think critically and and understand everything, if, even though the most horror, yeah, the most challenging context. And I think it's extremely valuable to do that. Um, and therefore, it's it's there's no throwing the baby out the bathwater. It's just acknowledging that there there is a through line that we we might need to discern here just like we think of you know history as having a uh a, a course and a trajectory and a path and progress a concept of progress well yeah sure and there's there's also a lot to learn and improve upon and we probably need to really think deeply about how we got to where we are if we're going to improve it and otherwise it just seems kind of lazy quite frankly yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I, I, I appreciate that, that, um, I don't know, footnote or rephrasing of, of things or, uh, truly because I, I think that actually leads to something really specific that reconnects with some of, well, I mean, maybe it all connected the whole time. I don't mean it. We separated from and are only now rejoining, but it comes back to a point that I also think a lot about in storytelling and education. And this isn't actually where I was, I was trying to lead you into talking about something that was on my mind. And I was curious if it might've been similarly on, on yours a moment ago. Um, and maybe we can come back to that too. But I first want to talk about that whole thing you just said about Osama bin Laden and Al Qaeda, the Taliban, um, also, of course, and obviously, hopefully, obviously, in no way condoning any of that. But, but the the way you phrased that showed empathy, which is, in my opinion, one of the just the biggest missing components in the way that we relate to each other, um, and in, even in the way that we try to relate to each other. Um, and is this huge missing piece in communicating the, the things that, that any of us might believe are the most important next steps to take. Um, and the lack of thinking empathetically is exactly what I believe leads to war, whether it's war on a truly global scale as that example has been or battles among family members or close friends who just have forgotten to, to empathize with another's point of view and see things their own way. And, you know, neighbors, whatever, whatever the conversation may be. Um, and, and that lack of empathy simply causes people to shut down, stop trying, stop trying to, to bridge those gaps and causes so many messages to be lost that ends up harming, I think, just about everyone involved in those non-empathetic or, yeah, it's those, those, those battles, I guess. Yeah, I appreciate you highlighting that word. It's, it is, I, I may... I think I was tempted to interject that word there as well, but there's, there's a, yeah, it's good to do that. I don't want to over, I don't want to 
ignore the value of of that word. Um, there are a lot of words and concepts that I, I try not to overuse because I think they've been they they become very misunderstood, almost watered down. Um, like, yeah, well, we don't need the list, but sometimes I wonder if empathy's on that list. But it it's probably not, and it's it's extremely important. And yeah, NVC nonviolent communication. Um, I remember one of the first lessons that I got from studying that years ago was everybody. Every action is an attempt to meet a need. And that's sort of the, the fundamental tool that you keep in mind so you can be empathetic and have empathy, so to speak, whether it's being or doing or having, I don't know which, um, doesn't matter. But the specific example I remember when I was studying was, yeah, even flying planes in the buildings is an attempt to meet some kind of need as shitty as it is and as obviously um, destructive as it is. And it, it, I think the more provocative principle or concept is the Taoist one of Wu Wei. Uh, I'm a big fan of that more because I think it just has a little more oomph and meat these days. But uh, it's the same kind of thing, which is you're not condemning or condoning what you, what you see, not in a conventional black and white way. You can still have <clears throat> you can still have a spine. You can still have a fucking backbone and like take a stand for something. You're just not doing it in a pretty predictable black and white kind of way. Like obviously I'm not saying you're not saying, we're not saying there's anything good about those actions. But you can still talk about it like a mature adult. And you damn well should probably. <laughs> Yeah, because yeah, it's no different than a potential domestic squabble or you know argument on the street, or the bullshit we see on the TVs all the time. Obviously, which I don't waste my energy on, but I know it's there. <laughs> um, yeah, and therefore that's what I'm saying. There's this context of of the cycle. Yeah, there's the psychological and psychosomatic context that is. I don't see how we are ever gonna evolve until we understand that it's like like it, it almost breaks my heart if i if i think about it too much like the potential for something as as intriguing as being like a like a a culture that star trek required to go explore the galaxies like like it's an awesome idea but it ain't ever going to happen until we upgrade our our foundations as a, as a species. And I think we can, um, obviously I believe we can, but it's definitely a, <laughs> um, unknown, big unknown. Yeah. Yeah. And is that, I, I have to admit, I don't know Star Trek all that well. Neither do I, but I understand. <laughs> I've heard stories about it. Yeah, yeah, I've, I've heard of it. Um, heard people talk. Um, when so this is really, really, really oversimplifying things, but it's in in current events 
when I hear Star Trek, I think of Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk and uh, um, Virgin guy. Richard Branson. Thank you. Uh, The billionaires. The billionaires with the rockets. Exactly. And, um, and the amount of money going toward these. And especially Branson telling you, you too can do this. Yeah. Like he's he's accomplished (laughs) something for humanity. I liked uh, Bezos's uh, thanks to thanks to all of you, uh, Amazon employees, Amazon customers, um, as if that wasn't already obvious. Um, but, but yeah, the just the thought of um, limitless growth and limitless innovation uh, to solve our problems, as opposed to taking what we truly need and sharing and looking out for each other in a very, very, very different way. Um, and I think that probably connects very closely with the, the earliest part of the conversation about COVID Ocean's and, 11. and <laughs> Ocean's 11. Indeed, they, they took what they needed. Uh, I, I assume they, they had great, need for all of that uh <laughs> they did. i was watching it with yeah. griffin and he said like don't they already have a lot of money yeah he, he, <laughs> we we should talk about parenting eventually too before we, we end tonight but um especially and you have to put your kid to bed i assume or or maybe oh he's been to bed uh i i asked for a, a time to talk to you after his bedtime oh okay, uh, good, good. that that, well, that was the well, yeah. let's, let's definitely come back to something really grounded like parenting. But first, you were going to make a point about um, I, I hijacked it. You were going to talk about <laughs> COVID. I tend to do that. Yeah, well, the, the individ, individual versus collective needs and, uh, you know, our decision to, to go after these just massive projects or, um, I don't know, the next consumer technology or, uh, or whatever. And, um, I don't know, this is maybe too much of a tangent, but, but some of those voyages have been lauded as technological breakthroughs as opportunities for potential scientific breakthroughs. There's a lot of real science that could be conducted on these flights, which I, I get and respect, but, um, but I think for me, the, the bigger story is just the, the way that money is spent. And um, to the Star Trek point, thinking about interstellar space as a potential solution is kind of like, you know, I don't know if we need more space if we behave differently. We, we, need more space and resources at our current trajectory because we're, you know, even our renewable energies are relying on materials that are mined from somewhere, from some village, some community or some natural resource. It's, you know, there isn't anything in our current mode of growth that is truly, truly renewable. Um, yeah, the Congo is a fascinating study in and of itself, right? 
Yeah. Especially if yeah. you like then start to play with like fictional concepts like Wakanda, but that's a thought game or that's a game we could play another time. Cause, Cause you're, I think pointing to the need for what we've already been talking about, which is more than just consistent, more than just the same old will you know, innovation will solve it. We're, I think it sounds like you're saying that we're kind of beyond the capacity to innovate our way forward at the moment. Absolutely. Well, that's a big deal. <laughs> that's a very big deal. And not an easy pill to swallow, given the addiction to thinking in, that we'll just innovate the shit out of this. And that's not an yeah. anti-capitalism point, obviously, because that's too oversimplified. That's such a boring um, straw man argument that can get projected here. That's not at all what I hear you saying. Maybe you are. But I, assume, <laughs> I assume you're not. It's just an acknowledgement that the the belief in innovation is kind of absurd. Yes, that. Um, and yeah, it's it's unnecessary. Also, it's right, you know we have other other options, such as. not making every choice based off of individual comfort. Yeah. What's an easier one? <laughs> not that I think that's a, not that there's anything wrong with that. It's obviously, it would be good if that was, if that was easy, but I think we know it's not. Individual and, and, and immediate, uh, immediate, I might say. Yeah. And it's understandably not easy because like, why are people so uncomfortable that it all comes back to the same? That's why I've, I try to think in terms of these universal components and these foundations. Like, okay, people are not comfortable because they're struggling to survive fundamentally. They're afraid they're in a fight or flight mode. There is a reality to the, the neurological the stressors and the, the nervous system there and the inability to actually slow down and, and just be with yourself and what is in a calm and collected way requires that you're safe, safe and secure enough. So clearly if people aren't feeling safe and secure enough, that's probably priority number one. And there isn't a pill for that. <laughs> there isn't a. There's surfing. There's surfing. <laughs> There's surfing. Yes. Well, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> and surfing there certainly is surf movement yeah S surfing slows down time movement matters <laughs> <laughs> surfing is a perfect example yeah but and what surfing is about is obviously being really like as a body and experiencing being a body on this planet as as like, there's, you don't need to have a concept about it it's just you you're changing because you're doing you're being on earth, you're doing something, you don't, as long as you're not worried about the sharks. Yeah. You're yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, and you need to be incredibly connected with the, the planet to perform well, uh, and, and to really make the most of the experience and to not drown. Um, but it, it, 
literally, so this fight or flight thing that you're talking about and people moving quickly. Um, Surfing goes hand uh, in hand with the education, by the way, because the education has to be more than just in your head. Obviously, it has to be, you have to embody it. So yeah, yeah. yeah. think a bit and then go surf. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, so I don't know, this maybe uh, a stretcher, maybe I'm jumping off of something that I'm, I'm being too selective in which words I'm choosing of yours to jump off of. But this idea of slowing down time for me is something that I've, I've seen. I don't know if I've truly experienced it myself, but I, I feel like I probably have. And I've certainly, um, certainly pretended at least that the, the top performers, um, I, I mean, I, I think it's more than pretending. I think this is, is probably maybe even so obvious. It doesn't need to be said in the way that I'm, I'm, uh, drawing it out here, but the ability of, of top performers in many different sports to slow down time, uh, relatively, a you know, professional baseball player that can see a pitch that the average person just would not even be able to really detect, um, if they were standing at the plate and trying to, to figure out where to aim a bat to make any amount of contact, the way that a professional surfer or, or really talented surfer might be able to make all of these amazing moves on a very fast moving wave that the average person, you know, wouldn't even have had the chance to think about what is happening or see ahead or see behinds. Um, but, you know, if they had any amount of training, maybe react luckily appropriately, but, uh, Obviously, if they didn't, not. <laughs> but uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, as I said, jumping off of a, a weird part there. But but something I think about when I'm surfing is that the better you are at surfing, the slower time moves during the time, at least, that you're on a wave. And the more experience that that you have in the water or perhaps with many other activities, the more you're able to, to kind of control reactions and, and think about things unfolding in front of you that you might not have noticed before. Yeah, of course. That's great. Perfect analogy. Yeah. And surfing doesn't have to be literal, obviously, but it's a great, it's a great, option if you're obviously near waves it's a great option yeah <laughs> the waves can be metaphorical the surfing can be metaphorical um hell it is why this podcast is called movement matters because at the end of the day these cons anything conceptual has to become embodied i think that's kind of the primary point in the the where i kind of already am always building is like with that implicit point that you need to be we're building on some kind of um, somatic understanding or body-based understanding. That's why what mostly goes on here is movement education and why I do, you know, the closest thing we do to surfing because it's water in the water is the ice bathing. Mm -hmm. It certainly makes you <laughs> present. And you're, you're obviously you're, can, you're promoting meditation and awareness and, yeah, those are the things that would give me hope. Um, people becoming 
more excited about all of that. I mean, hell, it's the whole point of the freaking is of this business, obviously, the one that I'm that I, I forget to promote a lot. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what so many people I think are engaging in and they do it in a way that doesn't come from uh, the, yeah, they're, they're trying to come from a place of just curiosity and, and playfulness and the, the desire to learn. I have a lot of friends and colleagues who, who have that, uh, yeah, that's literally their whole world seemingly. I'm slightly different in that I really think without even needing to about without even trying to, that is, it's just where I often live um, about the, I try to relate it to like Desden, Desmond Tutu's quote about, um, I can get it verbatim here. Uh, the there comes a point where we need to stop just pulling people out of the river. We need to go upstream and find out why they're falling in. Um, and I think the why they're falling in isn't just accidental. It isn't just learning how to walk and stand and surf. It is like a thinking. There is a thinking problem there. There is an idea problem. There is a, a concept problem there. It's, it's all of it. But yeah, get on the damn surfboard. <laughs> yeah. If you can get on the surfboard, get on the surfboard. Yeah. And I hope to literally and, uh, and figuratively. In 10, uh, uh, in 10 hours? I don't know if you're going surfing a, in the morning. <laughs> probably not tomorrow, but... Um, you know, it's that I love that quote. Um, I don't know if I've heard it before. I have, um, I have a notebook filled with, you know, that, like I'm sure you have many off the wall thoughts and jot them down somewhere. Um, not sure what you'll make of them eventually, but, uh, yeah. but I, I have one that every time I see it, I get really excited and I don't know what it is other than two words, but the, the two words that I, um, that I just love this pairing it, active upstream um, and thinking exactly about going up the river and figuring out why people are falling in, but also active and, uh, and kind of the closest I've gotten to any concrete form for this pair of words to possibly take is in the thinking about um, within the university system, having an organization that is focused on environmental issues with, uh, with a very active component to it. So, so as you know, some of the work I've done in recent years has been putting sensors on surfboard fins, putting sensors on stand-up paddleboards, um, collecting data while kayaking. Um, and, um, and there's this really fantastic nonprofit that I, 
uh, I, I have a lot of respect for called adventure scientists, uh, where they, they work with explorers, whether they're recreationalists, folks just, you know, taking a weekend off and, and, uh, going out to the mountains, going skiing or professional explorers who are able to get to really remote areas and, and collect samples. Um, and I love that the, the part that is missing in that model, that business model for me is access to those sorts of opportunities to be able to, you know, send people to the mountains, to some remote mountain range, uh, to, to collect data that somewhere that's never been collected before. And I, I would love to see this sort of model developed in local, whatever, wherever someone calls that local, uh, areas. So you're not needing to travel. You're not needing to take weekends off for long periods of time or lots of money or anything like that. But, um, but able to, to be active, to do things outdoors or, or indoors, but, uh, but, but understanding what's happening upstream the upstream thing for me is quite literal here because we have a lot of tidal streams and creeks where um where all of the the waste coming off of our urban centers is spewed out into the streams and kind of sloshed back and forth with the tides but eventually you know sloshes further and further downstream and, and into the ocean and uh and so you know as an oceanographer upstream has uh, a lot of significance. Uh, it's, it's actually, um, it's one of the first things that I, one of the first slides, uh, that I, I show one of the first quotes that, that I pull for my students is, um, do unto, do unto those downstream as you would have those upstream do unto you. Um, which, I don't know. Not exactly the same as Desmond Tutu's, but same again, sentiment. Yeah, and and connecting to our our religious upbringing as well, certainly. <laughs> but but using very different terminology that that I think everyone can relate to. Yeah, the golden rule, basically. Yeah, they think Desmond Tutu exactly is certainly building on the golden rule. Yeah. Um, I like that, and it it you basically just described the whole point of Koru, quite frankly, as far as what I want it to evolve into. Um, and that is hopeful. I think that's exactly what we, we can leave as the, the hopeful component. And in the meantime, it's okay to go watch oceans 11 and laugh at rusty, <laughs> not overthink the fact that they have enough money and they're just bored. Um, <laughs> uh bougie criminals that are clearly very talented but ultimately it's a it's a it's a well it's okay to go do that stuff which <laughs> <laughs> to watch Not, the movie or to, to... Watch, yeah what did i mean yeah so <laughs> yeah i think Knock it, over I the bellagio why the, the hell and the mgm grants yeah i think i think we can go with either either yeah. way interpret it either way i don't begrudge them for it yeah Especially if you're going to do it in such a stylized, classy way. Yeah, they're they're Benedict's casinos. Yeah, there may be too many yeah. um, 
private jets they're using now. Maybe they could figure mm. out a way around the private jets. Yeah. Maybe. Next one. Next one, exactly. <laughs> um, <clears throat> give a, you know, because it's a whole topic unto itself, give a, like, snapshot of, of fatherhood and, and married life at this point. You guys got married. <laughs> it was um, 2018 when you got married, right? It's 2018, yeah. Yeah. Uh, um, three and a half years ago. Um, give a snapshot of marriage and <laughs> it wasn't parenthood. And, um, <laughs> well, I had it on my list to talk about, but we we had... I assume you want to get to bed. I know I've, I've, we've been... <laughs> keep going, but it is nine. It is ten after nine, so I figured. I know yeah, had long days. You don't have yeah. to give a snapshot. We can keep going, but I was just being trying to be respectful of the time. Oh no, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, so we. Well, wait. I um, have you watched? This is not married. Well, it is. We watched it together. Um, have you watched? It's. Uh, I think it's just called the Heist or Bank Heist. On Netflix, it's Ocean's Eleven for the people. So uh, there, there are no private jets. Pretty high energy expenditure, but there's a, a communal, um, you know, they, they try to make it seem Robin Hoodie. The the robbers that is try to make it seem Robin Hoodie. Whether or not it is truly is is a series. It's a series. Yeah. No, I've not watched any of it. Look, wow, it's apparently very good. It's yeah. Well, I I don't want to. Uh, I'll talk to you about it at some point uh, after okay. you've you've watched it. It's it's just a show. It's not a movie. Yeah. Yeah. That's no, great. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. yeah, it's pretty cool. We we got into it a lot in the beginning. I think we we recently finished season two of I think. Four and um, I don't know if we'll pick it back up. Season two seemed to have an ending that might have been the ending of the original series as written, and then they probably determined that a successful series might be able to continue making money and uh, and therefore should have more episodes. But uh, anyway, uh, anyway, I, we enjoyed it and. Um, yeah. Well, that's good to know. I would have never put this on. I've never yeah. even heard of it. Yeah. Is it a Spanish it's, show? Because it's it is. Yeah. A lot about. Okay. Yeah. God yeah. It damn. is. There's just so so married life is about Netflix is what I'm getting from that, which is fine. Good. I'm happy to hear it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We we moved from California to North Carolina. Um when Reese was four months old and that was quite the experience. So Reese was born the day California went into lockdown for COVID. Um, the highway, so the, the hospital bed where Reese was born where Shannon gave birth to Reese, uh, looked out. So it, it's kind of a funny juxtaposition of, of stuff. So first it, the immediate thing right beyond the hospital window um, is is the interstate, major highway going up the entire West Coast, the five. I'm sure you've spent time on it. Um, goes all the way up from the border with Mexico to, I believe, the border with Canada. 
um, behind that on the other side from the hospital uh, is UC San Diego's campus. And so all this stuff that I recognize obviously quite well. And then beyond that is the Pacific ocean. Well, some small forests, most of which has been converted to a golf course, of course. Um, And then the Pacific ocean. But so just, I have these incredibly vivid images painted into my memory. I I hope forever. I mean, this, this experience uh, was of of course an enormously memorable one, um, but with so many different things happening, visually speaking, um, some of which were just so strongly positive, this beautiful sunset happening out over the Pacific Ocean, um, and then memories of UC San Diego, where I spent about nine and a half-ish years of my life uh, and connections, which I, I feel really strongly. But then right in front of that, is, or closer to the hospital again, is the five which shut down while we were in the hospital because of COVID, because of stay-at-home orders, the, the interstate. I, I shouldn't say shut down. It's not like someone said, hey, you can't drive on five, but no one left home the day that we were in the hospital. And, um, and it's this interstate that's just jam-packed all the time. Um, so so I, I didn't like it. If, if, I were asked uh, for a snapshot of marriage and parenthood and, and everything. I don't know if I would answer that exact way all that often, uh, you know, ask that question a hundred times. Um, but, but that, that image for me is, is actually one that, that has been, or, or there's, a, there's a lot in that. I think that um, that has been meaningful in family life. Um, COVID has been part of every single day of Reese's life um, in that it has dictated many of the decisions that we've made, including decisions that, that impact him every single day. Um, not having family or even really friends uh, starting to, to build relationships here, of course, um, but, but not knowing people here when we moved here really, and not having family within easy driving distance um, and not feeling very comfortable with what I would consider standard childcare, uh, you know, daycare or nanny type opportunities. We've kept Reese at home uh, until now, hoping to find other support for him uh, in the very near future so that we can spend a little bit more time, not just doing that and, you know, get back to, to focus on the, the nine to five ish type jobs that, that we have. Uh, neither one of our jobs is really strictly nine to five in any way at all, but whatever, we'll just call it that. Um, so yeah, that, that's, that's really dictated a lot of, of what we've done with him. Um, and then, as for the marriage thing, you know, moving away from, from California where we had all these relationships, had all this history, um, knew the area, knew, uh, knew what we really enjoyed doing to a new place has, has just been, it's been really different. Um, it's, that's what new is, I guess. Um, and, and so there are a lot of, a lot of really cool things out here that we've been able to, to start exploring together, you know, I guess, again, with the COVID thing, 
the stuff that we've done has been outdoors. Um, and I think that we would have done a lot of outdoors stuff regardless, but we probably would have gone indoors in more places <laughs> had there not been a, a global pandemic. And so, um, so it's kind of interesting to think that we've been in this place for a year and a half now, not quite a year and a half, but uh, a little over a year uh, to think that 98% of our experiences here together uh, as a family have been outside, have been hiking trails or the beaches or uh, um, went out to the forest, uh, not quite out to Asheville where I think you have some history, if I remember correctly, um, not quite out that far, but, uh, but out about halfway, hoping to get to Asheville, by the way, in the very near future. Uh, really looking forward to that. We're both really looking forward to that. Reese probably is too. He doesn't know the name for it yet, but but I'm sure he's excited. Um, but yeah, that's. It. I haven't actually thought out loud about this topic about the fact that. Yeah, I. I mean, that it seems kind of noteworthy that we've moved, we've been in this place for over a year. And all of our experiences, all of our new experiences really have been outside. Well, hopefully you get to surf soon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. There's no obvious. Yeah. It's just nice to hear that. It sounds great. You guys are fortunate, to say the least. And Sh Shannon's from California, is that right? Southern California, yeah. Yeah, so yeah. big move for her. Huge move. Huge move at a obviously pivotal time uh, for us as a family. Mm -hmm. Moving away from family when family is growing. She's an only child as well. So, um, you know, Reese is the only grandchild, therefore, as well. Um, so been, been a big transition for, for her whole family in that sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How's family life for you? <laughs> and here I am trying to help you get to bed. Family life for me in short. Yeah. Th this will be like, this is like a third act here. It's good. Um, good. Everybody's around here. Uh, Griffin's Griffin's fantastic. He's on a trip right now with his mom. We were away uh, last weekend at a tiny house resort, which was fantastic. Yeah. 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 I haven't heard of a tiny house resort before. It's like a really fancy trailer park. Okay. <laughs> well, then I've done that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In, in this, in the forest in North Carolina, that's, that's what we did. Oh, I bet there's plenty down there. Yeah. Or where you are, yeah. Um, I loved it. I think it was great. And I will definitely go back. And, and yeah, he, the big thing, the big question for that part of my family is just about school, starting school. What are we going to do? Are we, like, we're just still, I guess, a little anxious about it. Um, but, Shaylin and Paul are good. Patrick and his girlfriend Miranda are good. My parents, the big news with them is that they're trying to move closer to um, Shaylin and me. 
in Bucks County here. Yeah. And we'll see how that goes. Uh, but they're, they're uh, in a different part of their lot. Everybody's in a, everybody is in a transition period in their lives. It seems. Yeah. Yeah. They're no well, um, that's cool. I didn't know that Shailen and Paul were in Bucks County actually. Oh yeah. They had moved, uh, last December actually. Yeah. They just moved in December and cool. to Yardley. Okay. Yeah. So not far from, yeah, not far from here. And it's great that it's great having them nearby. I go see them pretty frequently. Nice. Love, love having them nearby. It's better than being, having to, go down to um no offense to anybody in philly but i'd much <laughs> rather not drive to philly yeah happier staying in bucks county to be frank yeah yeah so is uh is philadelphia table company in bucks county then or i guess is... you could say so technically yeah 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 cool technically it is although he still has an office essentially in philly near philly okay yeah, yeah. but uh yeah, they he's certainly based in Yardley now. Philadelphia nice. Table Company based in Bucks County now. Yeah. Actually building stuff there? No. Yeah. No. The warehouse is still closer to Philly. Okay. Yeah. They, they ship to North Carolina? I think they do, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I think they do. You should get something. They sponsor this we, podcast. It would be very appropriate. Yeah, I I saw that. Um uh, <laughs> And, but before seeing that, I'd been on their website uh, a handful of times um, looking where uh, we moved into this new house, which is wonderful, really cool opportunity. Um, and, and yeah, I was looking at, at their stuff, trying to figure out, yeah, what, what we're looking for, um, what they have, but it's beautiful work. Yeah, I've got quite a bit of it. Um, big dining room table at home. There's a bunch of stuff here at Koru. I have a coat rack at home. Uh, yeah, quite a bit. They, yeah, they're very, very competent, very talented. I think they do ship. I mean, I, yeah. I know they would want to figure out how to. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah, cool. Very cool. So basically, you're you're on the record as saying you're going to get it piece of furniture <laughs> philadelphia table company which is fine you know man. no pressure that's um good for you it's great yeah Have you know there might be there might be another shipping opportunity which i'm gonna add to the record which is that my my parents really want me to uh, want us to have they want to gift us um my childhood bedroom furniture which oh. is very high quality woods you know nicely built um post ikea part of my life stuff and and um and so they've held on to it and uh and and are hoping to find a way to to get it down here but um but there might be some i don't know u-haul rental at, at some point so if philadelphia table company doesn't already regularly ship or have you know other well orchestrated ways of doing that because i know shipping big heavy wood structures could potentially be rather expensive yeah. if there isn't if there isn't a, a mechanism in place. Um, but yeah, now, now it's all on the record. It is. Yeah. And there's a will, you, there's a way you can easily fit a table in a U-Haul truck with other furniture. So now, yeah, you're bound. 
Yeah. That sounds Great. good. Are your parents moving? Is that part of the deal too? No, they've just held onto this furniture in the hopes that, that they could give it to me at some point. Uh, and, uh, Oh, okay. So, um, there is another piece of information embedded in this, uh, which to the family note, um, big thing to add to the record because I haven't had a chance to tell all that many people yet that Shannon's pregnant. Ah, <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> so, so we have a second. Thank you. Thank you. So we have a second on the way and, um, uh, a need for new furniture more for, <laughs> <laughs> for, yeah. for, for room furnishings. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I think given the, uh, the link to Philadelphia or to this podcast, they would, um, Philadelphia David company would be happy to, <laughs> I shouldn't speak for them actually, but I, I bet there'd be some <laughs> kind of, um, significant benefit to, to all parties. Yeah. Yeah. I know they're busy, but, uh, who doesn't want more work, right? Yeah. Hopefully, hopefully for them. Um, and yeah, I'll, I'll look at it more closely now. Um, but th so the, the bedroom furniture is tied to the, I mean, I, I suppose maybe they would have gifted it to us either way, but, um, but Reese will be growing into my old childhood furniture and new baby will be taking Reese's current baby furniture crib, yada, 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 changing table, you know, mm -hmm. all that fun stuff. Um, but we're lacking a dining room table. That's, that's, um, I think that it's yeah. hard to say that's their specialty, but yeah. they would probably be, they could probably make a crib. I mean, they made some pretty funky stuff, especially, um, for, for, uh, smaller or just different, uh, creatures that are moving in different ways. Uh, like, like dogs, I'm not comparing gotcha. your children gotcha. to dogs, although yeah. Fun <laughs> too. Um, yeah. they made a dog house. That was pretty nice. Neat. Nice. Yeah. So I don't see why a crib isn't. I'm sure a crib is in their wheelhouse, to say the least. But but we're set on the crib, so we're we're good there. Well, for now, yeah. but the rate you're going, you're going to need <laughs> another pretty soon. <laughs> uh, I think I think you should just keep it up. Just keep it up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, and therein lies the hope. So look. That's the hopeful message right there. It's all we'll just leave it at that. Good job. Thanks for contributing. Well done, <laughs> you and Shannon. Keep it up. Keep yeah. it up. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's a fun time. It's it's exciting. Bravo. Hopefully they have a, a cool planet to inhabit. Oh. You mean Earth? That that one would yeah, We're yeah, be the most obvious. Earth is the is the desired planet, right? Plan, plan A, yeah. Got it. Um, yeah. Well, we're we're working for that. That's the that's what we're doing. Yeah. Uh, I think I need to get to bed, buddy, or at least get get ready for it please do go I'm, for it 
I'm impressed that you're you're still going strong. <laughs> it's a I don't know second or third wind, I guess. Yeah, that background has gotten quite dark for you. Really has it's fun to like, see the video. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Do a little time lapse. So, what does tomorrow hold for you? Tomorrow, Shannon will be going to the doctor to see how the new baby is doing. Uh, I'll be at home with Reese for a chunk of that, not surfing, um, which I say not begrudgingly, by the way, that, but just, <laughs> a, it, I kind of heard it in my voice and I didn't mean it that way. Um, I didn't, I'm hear not it's begrudging. I heard it as just good. A, yeah. Technicality. Good. Yeah. Um, and I'll be working on refining lectures for Friday's classes in intro to an advanced oceanography. Um, and I've been uh, playing around with my research labs website a bit lately, trying to get more of a, a web presence in the hopes that, um, that more students might find it and be interested in working with me working with the lab, working on coastal research and environmental research and active upstream and all that. So maybe, maybe play with the website a little tomorrow too. I don't know. But the, uh, yes. So today was day one of the semester. Friday will be my second big day of teaching. And, uh, and so teaching is kind of the, the dominant theme of the week. Um, once we get a little later in the semester, I'll, transition to trying to do a little more research as well. But right now, um, focusing on, on lesson planning and, and coming up with some other, uh, stuff to talk about with students will be the big thing. Well, I hope you tell me you did a podcast and get them. I'll all put it on the website. Get them yeah. all to listen to this stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. Soon. And yeah, they're gonna have to pay soon. Oh, okay. Yeah. No, I'm kidding. But who knows? Yeah. Eventually, eventually going to have to monetize this thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> um, or probably, yeah, probably. Anyway, uh, that's wonderful. And you're going to be figuratively surfing to say, and uh, no, there was no, sure. be- there was no sure. begrudgment. Yeah. Sounds great. Have you enjoyed catching up? It's been obviously a couple of years. Have you enjoyed catching up? I have enjoyed catching up. I haven't seen you since your wedding. That's right. We, so I've I think, thought, right. I haven't, have I seen you since your wedding? You haven't. We were the last time I was in Harleysville, we were trying to coordinate meeting up and Griffin ended up getting pretty sick. I don't know if you remember this. Oh my God. Was that Christmas 2019? It was. And I don't know if, well, it, so like COVID wasn't a big deal. It wasn't at that COVID, point. but that was a yeah. I remember that well because it was fucking awful. We all got the flu, the stomach flu. Um, it was yeah. absolutely awful. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, that was like right at Christmas 2019. Yeah, that was yeah absolutely awful. So that's it was, I don't. I was, it was definitely not COVID though. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was the last time I was in Pennsylvania and, 
No, we saw each other in December of 2018. Shannon and I, which, so we got married in March. Shannon and I came to Koru. Um, oh, right. Did we go to Pliables? And we went to Pliables. Oh, I just went yeah. there today. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I just went there today. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. I can't believe I don't go there more often. It's, it's, it's a real treat. Yeah. I remember liking it a lot. Yeah. Dude, single serve single single use plastic though. Mm. A lot of plastic. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. I don't know. I've um I haven't switched 180 on my views on single use plastic. I mean, I think minimizing it and and I think, you know, where possible encouraging others like encouraging a, a business like that to switch if if they're able um but there's so many things that go into running a business, obviously. Um, yeah. It's more expensive to come up with other things. I, I get that. It's a, it's a real factor. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, uh, it's still certainly a big deal to me. And I think it's an easy thing for a lot of people to cut out of their lives. But as I said, it's a while ago now. It's, I, it's just, it doesn't reach the scale of some of these other issues in my mind, in the way, they, in my worldview, there are other bigger fish to fry, which isn't to say that we shouldn't fry all the fish that we can catch or whatever. <laughs> That's a terrible mixed metaphor because, like, we need to stop catching so many fish. Also, say, yeah, the, uh, the overfishing <laughs> thing, which we uh, didn't really see the need yeah. to get into because it's, yeah. it's pretty obvious. Um, right. Uh, well, yeah, I understand the metaphor, and I'm glad to know that I can still go to Pliables. And next time you're <laughs> in the area, which I assume is not going to be any time soon, um, yeah, we can uh, we'll go get a, a acai bowl, to say the least. I look forward to that. Me too. I feel bad, like I'm getting you off the call here. Like you, you want to just stay up all night? I don't. I, <laughs> I, I, I really don't. No. <laughs> yeah yeah i need to i need to get home and turn the brain off so yeah to speak. yeah yeah it'll be uh it'll be nice to stare at something other than a computer screen you know i i teach half the time on zoom now uh partly in person this semester but but it's a lot of zoom time it's, yeah, I was yeah. Gonna say, my screen time this just today was crazy but this week yeah and it's it's some, it's by choice. I'm not. It's not like I'm being forced to, and I'm sure you're not yeah. necessarily either. Although you maybe, maybe a little bit. Yeah, yeah maybe. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this is to be very clear. This is a very different <laughs> uh, <laughs> type of, of screen time. This is. It doesn't feel the same at all. That said, uh, yeah, I, I look I, forward to bed as well. Yeah, it's a good thing. It's yeah. a good thing. Um. So much more we could talk about, and thank God that tornado, uh, hopefully I don't jinx myself, hasn't shown up yet, and it won't. And I'm gonna, I'm glad we got to catch up, buddy. Um, I am too. Thank you. This was this will be one of the easiest episodes to title as well. <laughs> yeah, surfing and Ocean's yeah. Eleven. <laughs> Sir, something about surfing. I hadn't maybe Ocean's Eleven, only because of the pun. We'll see. All right. Um, yeah, why not? Right, why not? That's up to you. 
We'll see. Yeah. Well, I usually ask for a little input, but I think it's pretty obvious. The surfing part. I heard that was that was the answer. Yeah. Anything you want to add or or end with? Uh, if we didn't have the last five minutes of the conversation, I would have actually tried to get back to the plastic thing because you asked me that in the beginning and I flubbed my answer and then we went off on so many other things. But yeah, I don't know. I just the, the plastic thing's tough. I mean, it's bad, but it's like when I think of the, the biggest thing that we can do, it's, as I said, talking about this stuff with, with other people, I think. Talking about it and planting trees at the very least, or is that too oversimplified? Pretty oversimplified. <laughs> Fair enough. Then let's keep talking. Um, yeah. <laughs> wasn't there, did, did you ask me what you wanted to ask me? Wasn't there something you were thinking about earlier, or did that already come? Did we do that already? Uh, we didn't, but that, that evaporated. That went. You forgot. That went into the ether. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, if you do remember it, you can call me or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. Um, you know, I don't know the, well, maybe this comes back to the individualistic side of things and community good and how much good should we be trying to, to, have or do or whatever the action verb is. Um, but uh, yeah, I think planting trees, sure, do it. There's nothing that I can think of that's bad about it. I mean, I'm sure there are inefficient ways of doing it. There are probably ways, there are probably a lot of ways of doing it that cost more, use more energy than um, the life of the lifetime of the tree, the CO2 or whatever the tree will capture in its lifetime. You can probably have a, a negative, a, a harmful CO2 impact. Got it. In planting a tree. I don't, I don't know. I, I don't pay attention to the math on that much, but um, no, I just think that the tree thing comes up all the time because people think it's like a, an easy way out of this and, uh, and it's not, but what is more hopeful, I think, I think that there are a lot of things that we can do in our communities, in our homes, our neighborhoods, our schools, you know, rain gardens, rain barrels, composting, uh, having your own community garden, stuff like that, that I think, um, I think it, it has some real positive environmental benefits and it emphasizes the community aspects as well. Um, which, you know, one group doing it isn't going to save the planet, but I think it's going to help and a lot of groups doing it and emphasizing that mentality might make some, some pretty big differences. So yeah, community stuff, do community stuff. If you plant a tree, do it with a group. That's, that's what I think about that. Amen to that. I don't know. I think that's an important message. No, that that's a great message. There's a community garden in Doylestown, and I I can see how there could be many more of them. Yeah. It's a pretty nice one, and it could improve. More of them would be great. I often just 
yeah, I guess I've thought of the planting trees because there's so much, it's a fairly, it seems like a fairly easy, um, short term effort, long term gain. And of course, maybe the, you know, the carbon footprint in the beginning outweighs the, uh, yeah, it, it is, um, a net negative, if you will, but it seems like a long-term gain in so many respects, like just turning more parking lots into food forests seems like kind of what I, that's kind of where I was going with planting trees. So it sounds yeah. like what you said. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm so, for it. So much space that could be just friggin' berry batches or something. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. That, that just seems like a really, benign ultimately benign and um inherently um back to that image of a retreat center that you put out there which is my interpretation of what you said education center if you will uh where you're really like getting into the actual experience of living a different way my interpretation again of what you said i yeah, I could see literally just turning more yards into gardens, more um, parking lots into gardens. It's just, they're not needed. If yeah. anything, we've we've proven how much they're not needed. There's a huge, there, there's acres upon acres of useless, of wasted space because of parking lots. Yeah, and grassy yards, which you saw behind me, earlier and if you rewind the video and look <laughs> right around here there's a spot dedicated to blueberry bushes which i'll be planting in september yeah um, north carolina blueberries that's a thing and then yeah i might do some strawberries somewhere to the other there's some um beach plums that do well down here i have a there's a citrus tree right around there and then the fig tree is a little bit higher up there but uh <laughs> that that whole that patch is getting turned into fruit trees and berries and stuff good yeah reese will yeah. like that i think he will i'm excited for that part yes that'll be yeah. that'll be a lot of fun it's very rural. Actually, I shouldn't even say Will. He he does. He he already likes. I was in the garden with him earlier today, and perfect. He had a blast. Perfect. He pulled things off of all the wrong spots. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Why wouldn't he? Yeah. But uh, let's go to bed, man. Yeah, we might as well. <laughs> mine as well but it's been a nice like additional third to the to the catching up you know i like how we got into yeah i like the rhythm here it's good yeah yeah good and let's talk sooner than we yeah. have in the past yeah thank you i'm for that yeah tell shannon hi and thank her for uh I don't know. I'm guessing this isn't a normal thing in the evening. You probably do a little bit more together in the evenings. She gets very excited when I have evening commitments <laughs> or plans. Sometimes it's working on lectures. Sometimes it's 
rarely actually unfortunately catching up with friends uh sometimes just yeah, do that housework more. yeah but uh but she relishes it yeah because then she gets to go sit on the couch and watch the bachelor ah, i figured you <laughs> I, I didn't want to say that but <laughs> well good for her i hope she still gets to maybe she's got one more episode in her for tonight who knows yeah yeah <laughs> good all right <laughs> Yeah, say hi to Griffin, say hi to the fam for me. And uh, yeah, tell, tell Paul I'll be checking out the website. Oh, yes. Definitely. Good. Thanks for reminding me. I will. Of course. Yeah. Good Thanks, night, Tom. Sir. I, I appreciate this. My pleasure. Good night. Good night. I'll talk to you soon. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay. Whoops, I hit a button. <laughs> I don't know what I did. <laughs> Let's see if that makes it any better. Um, thank you all for listening. I will see you soon. Lots of shows coming out. I don't need to say much more. That was a lot. You heard a lot. It's great. Um... Always open for feedback about these and always open for people to give guest suggestions and and uh, please, anything that you want to say, I want to hear it. Thank you so much. Thank you, Phil. Glad to call you a friend. Look forward to seeing you soon and, uh, and the family and hope everybody's well. Talk soon. <laughs>